Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our insight series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more insight series updates. And as always, like, subscribe and share. Hello and welcome to Sibylline's podcast series. I'm Rhiannon Phillips, a Middle East and North Africa Associate Analyst, and I'm joined today by our Middle East and North Africa Analyst, Valeria Scuto, and Middle East and North Africa Associate Analyst, Anastasia Chisholm. Today, we're going to discuss the various different implications of extreme climate patterns in the region, namely the uptick in dust and sandstorms that have massively affected countries such as Iraq in the last month. We will also be discussing more broadly the impact of this phenomenon for the wider Middle East and North Africa region, if this trend continues along the same trajectory or in fact worsens, as is expected in the coming years and months. So firstly, Anastasia, could you run us through or tell us a little bit about how these sandstorms have actually affected the region, particularly Iraq, in the last couple of months? Sure. So in recent months, there have been a series of sandstorms across Iraq specifically, resulting in the repeated closure of public buildings, schools, businesses and airports, with lights grounded several times at Baghdad and Najaf and Erbil, and all maritime operations halted at ports, as well as the suspension of non-critical government services. Meanwhile, car traffic in Iraq slowed significantly between severely affected cities as poor visibility for drivers caused a spike in car accidents. Now, hospitals across the country also received a surge of thousands of patients suffering respiratory problems as a result of the dust storms. Health facilities broadly reported sufficient medicine stocks to cover the influx in patients, though the repeated exposure to fine dust particles is likely to drive an uptick in chronic respiratory conditions, which health authorities will have to manage in the coming years. Though sandstorms are not uncommon in Iraq, The occurrence of nine separate storms during the two-month period between mid-April and mid-May alone presents cause for concern. Recent sandstorms have also affected the wider region, as you mentioned, and drove hospitals in Syria to stockpile oxygen canisters, prompted the suspension of flights in Kuwait, and warnings to drivers in Saudi Arabia, as well as flight delays, school and government building closures in Tehran, indicating that the issue is by no means specific to Iraq itself. Yeah, very much so. As you said, it seems to be a complete kind of region-wide issue and and something that, as you say, it's not uncommon, but there's definitely been this uptick in in, in recent weeks and months. And so if we look at kind of logistics or or the actual kind of issues behind these climate patterns, Valeria, what actually causes dust and sandstorms, if we could get into kind of the nitty gritty, and what trends have have we kind of observed more recently beyond this? And, And are these issues kind of related directly to climate change or kind of wider man-induced impacts as well? Uh, Yes, definitely. As Anastasia was mentioning, sandstorms and dust storms are not uncommon in Iraq. And more broadly, it's fair to say that they are also not a new feature of life across the Middle East and uh, North Africa uh, region, which sits centrally in what is called the Dust Belt, which is a wide stretch of dry land with numerous persistent dust and sand sources uh, extending from the west coast of the Sahara to Northeast Asia, so quite a big chunk of land. Countries in the Middle East experience varying frequencies of such storms depending on the time of year, especially during the summer months in which these phenomena are associated often with uh, Shamal winds. Iraq, Saudi Arabia and the Persian Gulf report the greatest numbers overall across the region. Particularly in the summer months, Iran, Iraq, Syria and the Persian Gulf experience the bulk of this climate phenomenon. 
and in Western Iraq, Syria, Jordan and Lebanon and Northern Israel. These occur mainly during the spring. While they can also be a wintertime phenomenon in portions of southern Israel and parts of the Mediterranean, including northern Egypt. However, climate change, population growth and land use and management practices, which include the overuse of river waters, the construction of dams, the overgrazing of cattle, deforestation, the use of prime agricultural land for urban development and waste disposal, and insecure land tenures are all factors that have affected the patterns of these sandstorms. And experts have highlighted how they are most probably also responsible for their increased frequency across the region. Sand and dust storms essentially need three elements. Wind, a source of dust or sand with little to no vegetation and dry conditions. So, for instance, the most recent storms in Iraq were caused by a combination of uh, lack of rainfall, water flow issues that stem from a long-standing issue with regards to man-made dams along the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers and human activity. Additionally, researchers have suggested that uh, La Niña conditions in the equatorial Pacific can lead to an earlier onset of Shamal winds, um, and research Recent observations suggest that um, La Nina may be persisting into a third consecutive year, which definitely highlights the significant threat of the summer season ahead for the region. According to experts, a typical spring would see about one to three storms per month. But as we've observed in Iraq, uh, at least nine major storms have affected the country since April. Notably, with regards to recent events, also in Kuwait, experts have further highlighted how storms this year have been particularly intense and are more likely to uh, materialize with growth in such intensity throughout the summer season. Dust and sandstorms are also lasting longer, which will have significant implications depending on the vulnerability profile of countries, and they are lasting from what was an average of a day to at least two to three days. The region has also recorded the second driest rainfall season in over 40 years, which has resulted in crop failure and significant socioeconomic pressures on farmers and communities that depend on agricultural yields to sustain their livelihoods. Now, what we have read with regards to Iraq is that the amount of soil that is kicked up by the winds during these storms and due to the lack of water and, and moisture in the soil, these storms are now referred to soil fall or earth fall to describe the quantity of earth kicked up during these days. An Iraqi environmental ministry official has also said that Iraq is expected to have more days prone to these sand and dust storms, and Iraq could face therefore nearly 300 days of dust storms per year by 2050. And there has already been an increase over the past two decades from 243 days to 272. So this really stresses the necessity for swift government action and longer term strategies in the region. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for giving that really kind of technical overview. And I think I join quite a lot of people with knowing that these issues are going going on on the ground and we, we read about them every day, but we don't actually know what is behind them. And, and so that this kind of gives us a a much better understanding of, of how to kind of approach or map out what these storms and climate patterns will look like. And so going back to, you know, you mentioned that an Iraqi environmental ministry official has actually spoken out about these kind of dusty days and 
and sandstorms. So what can we actually see on the ground happening and how are governments addressing this at the moment or in fact not addressing this phenomenon in the region? Some countries have taken action, but a more regional and coordinated approach is still lacking, particularly with regards to to long-term solutions. Saudi Arabia announced a Green Saudi Initiative and a Green Middle East Initiative to reduce carbon emissions and at the same time plant 50 billion trees in what is the world's largest reforestation project. Planting trees or other vegetation definitely represents a solution. For instance, during the Dust Bowl in the United States in the 1930s, the federal government planted millions of trees to stop soil from blowing across the Great Plains. These type of projects are referred to as shelter belts or green belts that are meant to reduce soil erosion and preserve the moisture in the soil. However, a practical element will remain how to maintain these green belts, and it will likely be challenging as any tree or vegetation will have to withstand climate change effects, which include increasingly higher temperatures and growing uh, water stress levels across the region. Notwithstanding investments in infrastructure that have looked at water storage, desalination and wastewater use, the Middle East uh, still remains a global hotspot for unsustainable water management, uh, with at least 30% of the current water consumption exceeding the sustainability limits. And Iraq has been implementing this strategy of, of green belts for over a decade, planting eucalyptus trees and olive trees and date palms as a plan to shield, for example, the central city of uh, Kerbala. But construction delays, funding shortages and neglect have contributed to overall to the project's failure. However, it seems that the events of the past few months have sparked a renewed interest in actually tackling this problem. On the 10th of May, the Iraqi cabinet directed the finance ministry to disperse 2 million US dollars to implement a project to stabilize sand dunes. Iran has also invested millions of US dollars over the past years to mitigate sandstorms by planting trees and stabilizing soils and constructing these windbreaks. But one of the main features will be the necessity for these two countries actually to coordinate and tackle this issue jointly. There have been a lot of tensions with regards to water management. Obviously, the the Tigris and the Euphrates are in that portion of the region, two of the main waterways. And now finally, it seems that uh, uh, there could be an opportunity for wider regional dialogue to discuss the consequences of climate change in the area and ways to combat drought desertification. And one of the points highlighted was, in fact, uh, water management uh, and to open up a dossier between Iraq and Iran, hopefully to find a longer term solution where countries are able to meet their national interests as well. Other governments like the UAE have invested in early warning and monitoring systems. The Mazdar Institute of Science and Technology launched a real-time dust storm forecasting system in 2016 and other countries like Egypt do have dust storm forecasting systems which have definitely helped. The main point is that unfortunately while there is some initial coordination across the region for example in regards to air pollution there is still a lack of understanding that dust storms are transboundary and therefore regional cooperation to effectively implement mitigation approaches will continue to be 
a fundamental avenue to pursue compared to just uh, national level projects such as uh, green belts. Thanks for that. So yeah, again, a lot of moving parts and you know, you've really clearly mapped out the kind of domestic approaches and issues. Anastasia, if we come back to you, what can we see being, you know, the most significant implications, whether this be kind of immediate or in the longer term? You know, as Valeria and yourself have said, these issues are not going away and are potentially most likely expected to get worse in the next kind of months and and years long term. So what are the most significant implications for businesses operating in the region? Well, with more sandstorms likely to emerge this summer and continue to become more frequent and severe in the coming years, Businesses across the region will face a myriad of challenges, though particularly those operating in and nearby Iraq. Um, Across affected countries, reduced visibility on roads during sandstorms will increase the risk of accidents and consequent injury to personnel or damage to company goods and assets in transit. And the rapid onset of the dust storms will reduce the capability of firms to mitigate these risks, while sandstorms lasting between two to three days will present more significant supply chain and transport disruptions as well as operational disruptions in the form of repeated business closures, which could end up affecting the bottom line for businesses during periods of particularly frequent storms. Now, the World Meteorological Organization's recent warning that sandstorms present a severe threat to human health heightens concerns surrounding the risks posed by airborne dust, which can trigger or exacerbate health problems, including asthma and cardiovascular issues, as well as spreading toxins and pesticides. Though personnel operating in affected countries for short periods of time are likely to be less vulnerable to these health issues, locally operating businesses will have to consider the long-term health of their permanent employees, alongside any of the already mentioned operational and travel disruptions, and the knock-on effects this could have on overall employee welfare and productivity. Now, as a separate point, the long-term failure to manage the negative effects of high temperatures droughts and dust storms is likely to drive displacement in the region, particularly from Iraq's southern regions. And this will likely be in part related to negative effects of sandstorms on the agricultural sector, contributing to the overall reduced yields and livestock productivity, as well as accelerating soil erosion and land degradation. The increased displacement of communities reliant upon the agricultural sector could exacerbate Iraq's employment and socioeconomic crisis, uh, presenting ample opportunities for terrorist groups to regain influence and attract membership. So in practical terms, this could translate to deterioration in Iraq's security and operational environment in the long term. Well, thank you both very much. That was such a comprehensive breakdown of, of quite complex issues, as you say. And as a team, extreme weather patterns and, and climate trends are definitely something that we'll be following very closely. And something that, as you say, impacts every corner of the region and in fact globe and we're likely to feel this more intensely in the coming months and years and now a look at the events coming up this week i'd like to welcome our associate analyst for sub-saharan africa uh, Edie lipton who will be outlining the key highlights to watch in the upcoming weeks so firstly in south africa groups including the economic freedom fighters and the national taxi alliance have called for a nationwide shutdown strike from the 10th of june over the rising price of fuel Protests are likely in cities across Eastern Cape, Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal provinces, with increased security deployment in the areas causing localised transportation disruptions. On the 12th and 19th of June, France will hold its parliamentary elections. Should President Emmanuel Macron's party Renaissance lose its majority to the left-wing alliance and to the far right, political stability and policy risks will increase. On the 15th of June, Greece will hold its trial of the far-right Golden Dawn organisation and its members who were complicit in various hate crimes over the past decade. 
This will likely trigger protests across Athens by leftist and far-right groups. On the 15th to the 17th of June, India will host foreign ministers from all 10 ASEAN members. The meeting will be an opportunity for India to strengthen its Indo-Pacific strategy and ties with Southeast Asia. Topics of discussions are expected to relate to greater economic cooperation, including the recently announced Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, supply chains and maritime security. Thanks so much, Edie. And again, thank you everyone very much for tuning in today. Um, should you have any questions, please do feel free to reach out at info at Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>